Good evening, everyone. I'm Anne-Marie Cronin. I'm with Siobhan Cronin tonight, and we're hosting a special live broadcast on 760 WJR. We are here in Miami, Florida, where the weather is infinitely better. We're going to be talking about the prevention of disease and the urgency of taking action before the onset of serious medical problems. Dr. Brian Collender, MD, internal medicine physician and specialist in prevention, is with us tonight to talk about how we can avoid heart attack and stroke altogether, and what you need to do to prevent Alzheimer's and many of the other chronic diseases. If you have a question, we're opening up the lines and taking your calls. So make a note of this number, 800-859-0957. We'll repeat it throughout the show, and this is your opportunity to talk directly to the doctor. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back. You're listening to 760 WJR. Again, I'd like to welcome all of you to a special medical show here on 760 WJR. We are broadcasting live from the studios in Miami, Florida. I'm with my co-host, Siobhan Cronin, and we are joined tonight with Dr. Brian Collender, MD, internal medicine physician and specialist in prevention. He's here to give us some hard talk about dealing with our health and making sure we get the necessary testing. We're inviting you to call in if you have a question at 800-859-0957. Again, it's 800-859-0957. Dr. Collender, welcome to the show as usual. We're sorry that you're in Michigan freezing with the snow and ice, but welcome because you're always here to give us the top advice on what we need to do to avoid heart attack and stroke. And I know that we have lots to talk about, but Siobhan's nudging me here because she has callers already. Yeah, so let's start with Greg and Shelby. Greg, what's your question? Hey, you guys, welcome back, Mr. Positive. Got to ask you, it's a unique question. Can you have a stroke and a heart attack and be asymptomatic in any way, shape, or form? Well, you know, Greg, that is pretty much what the Widowmaker is, if I'm hearing right. a question properly. And that is people are walking around with unrecognized risk. They have no idea what their risk is. And the process of cardiovascular disease is inflammation driven, uh, not necessarily related to blockage. So blockage causes symptoms. Inflammation usually involves a subclinical plaque, meaning it doesn't cause symptoms. It's not blocking your blood flow at all. So the plaque rupture can occur in a few seconds. The clot that your body needs to heal that injury within your artery takes 10 minutes. And that's how long it takes for you to live. You know, that's all you got left. So um, absolutely, that's why our healthcare system is failing. That's why we now have 870,000 deaths per year. That's because our system does not screen for prevention. It's screening for surgery. And people at the highest risk are going to slip through the surgery screen. Dr. Collender, I'm shocked. You just said 870,000. Uh, a year or two ago, I was quoting 600,000, then 700,000. Then you corrected me on a show to 800,000. Now we're, we're almost up to 900,000. I mean, when is it going to stop? What do we need to do to let people know that the preventative tests are there, they're available, and people have to be their own advocate to, to find out about what they are and where to get them. Well, you know, let's talk about some of the, you know, pitfalls of our system. Um, you know, I have a couple uh, anecdotes to share that happened to me this week. And they don't always, they don't all necessarily have to do with prevention. But 
the reality is you do have to be your own advocate. Um, I have one patient who I talked to this week. He'd moved and he did not take all of his records. You know, he moved and he realized he's getting older. I actually hadn't seen him in the office in a couple of years. So he'd not have his had his physical for a little while. And, uh, you know, because of COVID, that just kind of happened even in my practice. People just didn't want to come in because of COVID. And so he, he ends up going to another doctor and his baseline EKG is not normal. You know, so he's, he's, he's a healthy guy, but his baseline EKG does not look normal. So he goes to this new doctor who's an internist who sees his EKG and does some testing on him, like an echocardiogram, which is an ultrasound that looks at how your heart walls are moving while they're beating and sends him to a cardiologist. The cardiologist then does a CT calcium, a CT arteriogram, um, another type of echo that's a little more intensive and a stress test. And if all the listeners will know, none of those tests identify your real vascular risk. The worst part of the story, Anne-Marie, is that all they had to do was call me and ask me for the old EKG. And had they compared his old EKG with the new EKG, there'd be no workup because they were the same. And this is, uh, you know, just pure laziness. And the reality is, is that the doctors this person was seeing where he moved are actually quite reputable. So even if you're going to what who's considered a reputable doctor, um, you've got to make sure that they're doing the due diligence that you need them to do on your behalf. Because this guy went through two months of unnecessary testing and panic that he thought he was going to die from a heart attack when there was absolutely nothing wrong with him. Well, let's not forget, though, that repetitive testing and continually doing the same testing over and over again is still making money for somebody, whether it's the hospital or the, the wherever they're doing it. It's still a money-making thing to, to continue to do testing, but it's not taking you anywhere, obviously, in his case. Well, it's not just not taking you anywhere. It's causing negative, you know, it's horrible stress. So instead of, like, living his life, enjoying his kids, you know, having a vacation, he's worried about dying for absolutely nothing for a couple months. And then he calls me and says, Hey, can I have my old EKG to forward to this guy? I send it to him within two minutes. It's like, Oh, look at that. You're fine. All this time and stress and worry about nothing. And the reality is, as our listeners know, none of these tests are are measuring risk in any way. And it was a total waste of time in every possible way for everybody and his insurance had to pay for all this stuff. Well, we need to come back and talk about what the tests are for those people who don't know because they need to get on board with it with the numbers continually rising to staggering proportions. Right now, we're going to take a short break. And again, you are listening to our weekly live medical radio show where we keep you up to date on all medical solutions from dealing with COVID to avoiding catastrophic disease. We're here with Dr. Brian Collender, MD, talking about prevention. If you have a specific question and you'd like to talk to the doctor directly about what you need to do to prevent or reverse disease, please call at 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. 
You're listening to 760 WJR. Welcome back to our special live weekly medical show on 760 WJR. I'm Siobhan Cronin here with Anne-Marie Cronin, and we are broadcasting from our studios in Miami, Florida today. We are back again with Dr. Brian Collender, MD, internal medicine physician in Birmingham, Michigan. As a recognized leader in the field of catastrophic disease prevention, including heart attack, stroke, diabetes, and many chronic conditions, he's here tonight to give us some hard advice on what we need to do to avoid heart attack and stroke altogether. Through advanced and more sophisticated diagnostic technology, we're now able to arrest and reverse the progress of these silent ki killers. We're inviting listeners to call in with your questions at 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. Dr. Collender, we got an interesting call in the in the first segment about um, you know potential patients that are having heart attack or stroke that are asymptomatic. And we kind of covered the heart attack and the widowmaker side of things. But I'm curious, I mean, is it possible to have a stroke where you don't realize that it happened or even another type of heart attack where you, you know, you don't even know that that's happened to you? And is there any way of detecting that that was an event that occurred? So it is possible to have an event and not necessarily know it, or the symptoms go by and you don't really recognize them for what they are. And what's great about our bodies is that there is a lot of uh, redundancy, and especially when it comes to stroke. A lot of times people go and get a CAT scan or MRI for one reason or another, and then they find an incidental area that looks like it was a stroke. And there's really no explanation for why that person, you know, what happened, but we can look at them and say, I guess you had a stroke because it's there on the MRI or CAT scan. Uh, the question is what's being done about it that time are, you know, are people being, you know, treated aggressively as if they're a vascular patient and that's up to them and their doctor, but someone who finds on an, on a test that they've had some kind of abnormality on their heart or on their brain, you know, it's up to them, unfortunately, to make sure that their doctor puts them on a very aggressive, optimal program to prevent a second event, because second events are very common. Right. I would imagine that if you go in and you find out that this happened, the, the likelihood is very high that it, you know, you're still at risk for another or yet another. So, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I mean, is there any sort of screening that people should be doing if, I mean, what can you look out for to go in and kind of see if this has happened? I mean, is you know, how would you look out to detect something like this that went by unnoticed? Well, unfortunately, within the healthcare system, there's no way to do any of this because the only thing their doctor might do is either add or increase an aspirin type therapy or add or increase the dose of their statin medicine. And that's really the end of it. Whereas, uh, as you know, in our office, we look at things completely differently. You know, once you've identified the disease, by having had a stroke or a heart attack, now we need to go and collect the data that measures risk more accurately, which is uh, the CIMT ultrasound that we do in our office. That's a carotid intima media thickness test. It's a simple 10 minute ultrasound that measures the layers of your artery where plaque buildup occurs. Plus we do blood work that measures inflammation markers. And we talked about this last segment that inflammation is what drives disease. So Finding all of the possible reasons that a single person would have inflammation is really important um, to, you know, to prevent another event. Otherwise, you're not finding all their reasons. 
Yeah. And I'll also add on to that, that it's very important for the listeners that maybe haven't heard the show before that as early as you can do this as possible is essential because I'm somebody that's in, you know, my early thirties and I got the CIMT done and I do have plaque, you know, and, and it would be surprising for most people, like we've mentioned on prior shows, you know, I'm relatively young, I'm, I'm vegetarian, I exercise, I kind of follow what you would consider a healthy diet and healthy exercise lifestyle. And, you know, still I am susceptible to, to these issues. So, you know, it's, it's never too early to investigate it. Oh, absolutely not. And actually today I had a new patient who we did her physical for the first time, of course, and she's 29. We haven't done her CIMT yet, but her labs, the inflammation marker showed an elevation in the lipoprotein associated phospholipase. So that is a blood test that measures plaque with a necrotic lipid core, which is means dead tissue inside the artery wall. And that is a really potent, strong marker that measures risk. So even though she's 29 and she has decent cholesterol, I still put her on a statin because statins lower artery inflammation. Of course, she didn't like it. But as we went through the education process, she's got a marker that doesn't have a lot of false positives that suggests she's at a high risk. There's no harm in putting her on a statin, even though her cholesterol is good, so that we can mitigate her risk while she has a chance to improve her lifestyle and while I have a chance to learn about her other drivers of inflammation that we haven't found yet that may be contributing. Is the lab that you did something that would be done in other offices or is this specific to to your physical process? It's specific to what we do. Not that another doctor couldn't learn about it, but the time and energy that it takes to deal with these results just isn't being covered by insurance. So, you know, I, I've got to, I spent an hour and a half with a 29 year old woman today um, and granted, it was a virtual visit. So, um, you know, we're able to kind of communicate all this very well virtually if that's how it needs to be. And uh, no, this is not something that's done uh, unless you are specifically focused on vascular prevention. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I mean, that's, you know, even not getting the CIMT, you're obviously doing other labs and things that are not coming as standard procedure in, you know, other medical offices as part of the physical. And it seems that so many of these things would have gone unnoticed. And good thing that as a 29-year-old, she caught it early, you know, and that now you sort of know what path to go down to, to treat what could potentially become a life-threatening disease down the line. You know, it's, uh, yeah, it's, well, it's, it's fun. You know, I, not that I'm, I, it's, it's, this is what I enjoy my job is, uh, it's a little bit investigative work with every single patient, uh, what we've got to do. And, you know, we're basically uncovering the truths that are there. Um, and it's very transparent and, you know, clear and, uh, of what we're, you know, it's an easy path to follow when the data that you're presenting people is real and genuine and you're not using surrogate markers. Now, granted for this young woman, I use a surrogate marker, but we're not going to stay there. We're going to continue to do our due diligence, which is look at her carotids, measure her IMT thickness. If that is negative, meaning his normal CIMT, we're not done. I'm going to get a CT calcium score of her heart and make sure she does or does not have plaque to guide our therapy. Yeah. Absolutely. It's so, amazing. Go ahead. Sorry, uh, doctor. Go I, ahead. 
I was gonna say, you gotta identify the disease. Um, so when someone comes in and you find that they had a heart attack or stroke because their echocardiogram isn't normal, or you see a little spot in their brain, which is done for another reason, doctors have to treat that aggressively. That is disease identification. They've got to be all over it. They can't just say to the patient, well, I guess you had a heart attack. You didn't notice. See you later. You've got to take that very seriously. Yeah. So what are they? So, so what you're basically saying is, unfortunately, what I'm listening to here and, you know, the discussion between you and Siobhan is that patients are still having to be their own advocate. They're still having to realize and know and be educated as to what the screening tests are so that they don't become one of the statistics that's constantly rising now to 870,000 men dying of the Widowmaker, numbers that keep go up almost a million people. And the testing is out there. The screening is out there. You're doing it. Any doctor who's also practicing prevention is doing it. They need to know about the CIMT. They need to know about the tests that are available in order to screen for and hopefully prevent them having this type of event and to become another cardiac catastrophe. Well, unfortunately, you know, the doctor's got to be able to not just interpret these results, but know what to do with them. So getting a CIMT uh, isn't always enough. And next segment, we're going to get into the next pet calls. All right. Well, right now we're going to have to take a quick break. And again, you are listening to a special live medical broadcast on the prevention and medical management of disease. If you have a specific question and you'd like to talk to the doctor directly about what you need to do to avoid heart attack and stroke, or you have a question on any of the subjects we're discussing tonight, please give us a call at 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. You're listening to 760 WJR. Welcome back to our special live medical broadcast on 760 WJR. I'm Siobhan Cronin here with Anne-Marie Cronin, and we are broadcasting from our studios in Miami, Florida today. We are very fortunate to have Dr. Brian Collender, MD, internal medicine physician and specialist in prevention here tonight to give us some straight talk about two important topics, prevention and being proactive. Please tune in to our weekly shows Sunday afternoon at 3 p.m. and live Thursday at 7 p.m. We are inviting you to call in with your questions and talk to the doctor directly at 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. Um, Dr. Collender, before we get back into the discussion, we did have some calls come in over the break. So let's start first with David in Windsor. David, what's your question? Yes, good evening, uh, Dr. Collender. One of the things that come to my mind, and I think it might be dumb, but the, but the question is this. Have you ever seen any type of patients that are young and old that had congenital heart defects that have had heart attacks like that before? That can, and, what, and what can you recommend about that? Well, thanks, David. Um, usually congenital heart disease causes, you know, not necessarily plumbing problems, but more blood flow pressure problems with the heart. And, and if it's bad enough, they end up having surgery, you know, early. So, you know, being that it's congenital in nature, that person's not likely to, you know, get to an old age with a serious congenital problem. Can you define congenital for people that may not understand what that means? It's like a birth defect. They're okay. born with an abnormal structure to their heart. And depending on that that problem, you know, they may not survive birth. 
So some of these surgeries are done in utero. Some of them are done immediately after birth. Some of them are done at age five. You know, so this isn't something that gets into adulthood, you know, where it's just my category. But, um, but there's phenomenal surgeons who, you know, this is where we need surgeons, you know, to really be artists and fix these problems. Yeah. Okay. Well, up next, we have Ken in Grand Rapids on the line. Ken, what's your question? Hey, thank you very much for taking my uh, question, actually. These are two really simple ones, and they're probably not regarding heart health per se. But I really appreciate uh, uh, your thought process, and uh, so I'll just go ahead and ask them quick. Uh, is sugar an inflammatory? Yes, it is. Next question. Oh, that was simple. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my, my, my wife's uh, um, uh, psoriatic arthritis doctor said um, there's absolutely no proof of that. So I, I was just wondering your take on that. Uh, the second one is... Um, where would a guy like myself, just a simple guy, go for the absolute truth, the unpolitical, unbiased truth? Um, you don't even know you what say, you're well, looking at. You just found the truth. <laughs> you're, right. talking, you're talking to it. So, so hold on. You just like you just lit my fuse a little bit with this. My psoriatic doctor doesn't, you know. So your wife's doctor is a complete idiot. Because there's all kinds of information about insulin resistance and processed food driving inflammation. And this is a doctor who treats diseases that are driven by inflammation. So if your doctor, who's essentially an inflammation expert, does not recognize that certain foods can generate inflammation, he's a complete idiot. And okay. your wife's got to find a new doctor. I mean, for crying out loud. Okay, just let me ask, what is, I just want to, you know, jump in here and know what is an inflammation expert as far as a category of specialist? Okay. All right, what is so, that? So psoriatic arthritis is an, is an autoimmune art disease that, you know, where there's a psoriasis is an inflammatory skin condition. And there's a subset of people who have psoriasis who have arthritis. And there's a very strong connection between psoriatic arthritis and heart disease. And treating psoriatic arthritis can reduce cardiovascular events. And this is what we've been talking about all along, is identifying and reducing sources of inflammation in our system. And psoriatic arthritis is like number one in the autoimmune heart connection. And recognizing that processed foods and sugar drive insulin resistance, which is the number one cause of inflammatory disease that causes chronic illness like heart disease and dementia and Parkinson's. You know, I mean, so for a doctor not to recognize that and, 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 and to go, there's no proof of that, he's, a, I mean, I don't even know how to say this, run away run away from that doctor. Okay, Dr. Collender, a good question that I need to ask as a lay person and as a person who, like with the general public, we have to rely on the, the information that we get from doctors and who we see. But this particular patient with psoriatic arthritis, is she being seen by a rheumatologist or a dermatologist? Yeah, that's, a, that's a rheumatologist. That's a rheumatologist. Okay, so I, I, would ask the, I would ask the caller, was your wife being seen by a rheumatologist? 
Uh, he may not be on the line. No, I'm not sure that he's on the line. Okay, well, well, let me wait, Dr. Collender, I want to just finish this question off. So I feel as though so many patients get lost in the system. They see, we talked about this on the break. You go and you see someone like yourself, a primary care physician, internal medicine doctor, and then you get sent off into the wilderness to see specialists. And I'm finding this a lot and in interviewing people for our leading medicine show here in Miami that I'm hearing the same story over and over again. Patients are being sent out into the wilderness to go and see this specialist and that specialist and this specialist and that specialist. There's a three-month wait to get in to see the specialist, whether it's in Detroit or Miami or wherever in the country. And I mean, it, it's just like a mishmash. I'm, I'm, I'm here to ask you, don't you feel as though you, as an internal medicine prevention specialist, as a primary care physician, don't you feel as though all primary care physicians and specialists such as yourself should be overseeing where the patients are going and where the who, by whom the patients are being seen? In the case of this caller whose wife is out there and probably been given misinformation, you know, it's all very well to say, no, the other doctor's wrong, but the patient's the one that's suffering. The patient's the one that's out there in the wilderness, you know, going around and trying to, waiting three months to see a rheumatologist, another three months to see a dermatologist, and then, you know, eventually having to possibly come back to who referred her out. My question is, shouldn't you be overseeing and doctors like yourself be overseeing who you send the patients to? Here's what really happens, Anne-Marie. Okay, so... Again, this is not what happens in my office, but when you go to a doctor and they've got 60 people to see that day, they have time to refer you somewhere or write a prescription. So you're saying they get a referral. So they go to the some specialist and then that specialist may go, well, this isn't quite my area. I'm going to send you to another specialist. Well, now you are one degree away from your doctor and Excuse me, but this do- the second specialist isn't communicating with your PCP because they weren't referred by the PCP. They're going to communicate with the first specialist. And likely the second specialist was an inappropriate referral because these specialists don't know what to do because they're not the primary care doctor. And this is how people end up on this merry-go-round of specialists. Um, and some of it may be driven by, hey, I this is my buddy. You know, it's in my team. This is part of our group. And it's just like a doctor referral mill. And then the PCP is out of the loop. And if the patient doesn't stop and go, hey, I got to connect with my PCP. Should I even be seeing this, doctors? Now, my patients know they don't go anywhere without telling me. But that's but, you. But that's you. Well, okay, you're, so you asked me the question. You're, 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 you're one the of 800,000 doctors. Okay. The rest, the rest of the people out there don't know any of this. And they're just doing what the doctor's saying. And they're like, they're seeing this other guy's psoriatic doctor who's an idiot saying, you know, and you got a bunch of specialists sending people in every which direction. And that's why you're all getting too much the wrong stuff. Well, let's come back and All argue right. more about this on yes, the other a, side a of the break. He, a Go, very Siobhan. heated discussion here. <laughs> For now, we're going to have to take a quick break. You are listening to a special live broadcast tonight where the topic is your health and how to prevent disease. When we come back, if you have a specific question on the subjects we're discussing and would like to hear from the doctor directly, please call us at 800-859-0957. 
Again, that number is 800-859-0957. You're listening to 760 WJR. Welcome back to the final segment of our special weekly live broadcast here on 760 WJR on the importance of being proactive and informed of the resources available to prevent and treat chronic and debilitating disease. I'm Siobhan Cronin here with Anne-Marie Cronin, and you are listening to the expert advice of Dr. Brian Collender, MD, internal medicine physician, and one of the very few specialists in prevention in this country. If you have a question for the doctor, now is your chance to call us at 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. Dr. Collender, we've had a lot of great calls and interesting discussion, but uh, you had mentioned earlier you had another uh, anecdote to tell about a patient experience. So if you'd like to go ahead and take it from there. Yeah, thanks. I just want to say first, if uh, I'm sounding a little hoarse, it's because uh, I probably had COVID last week, so I'm just recovering from that. So Luckily, you can't catch it through the radio waves. Right, right. And luckily, you've also been famous for curing it every time. None of your patients died. None of them went to the hospital. So you've got the elixir to knock COVID out. Well, now the elixir is Advil and Hall's, Hall's cough drops. That's the magic cure for COVID right now. So, um, So I had a patient come in who, you know, is not what you would expect, meaning... He looks like Tom Brady. That's about my best way to say. The guy's tall, handsome. He looks athletic. And the last person you would ever think is unhealthy. And part of his workup in over time has been to get a CAT scan, the CT calcium score, which I was doing on my patients before I started doing CIMTs. He had a zero calcium score. He never really had elevated inflammation markers and his cholesterol was elevated, but I'm going to say he had healthy cholesterol. And what that means is if your LDL particles um, are healthy appearing, meaning they're large, then it's okay to have a high LDL number because those large fluffy LDLs are are doing what they're supposed to do, which is take cholesterol and move it to your liver so your liver can make, you know, hormones and all other types of uh, peptides, whatever it needs to do. So, you know, I didn't treat him for a while because we had not identified disease and he had normal inflammation markers and what I would call elevated but good LDLs. Uh, so we finally do a CIMT and lo and behold, the guy's got plaque. And so here you have a very, again, a very athletic looking guy who works out like a fiend, who doesn't have an ounce of fat on him. And he's got plaque. And like a lot of people, they do not want to take statins. Why don't people Why want not? to take statins? Good yeah. question. Well, there's a lot of negative press about statins that they cause problems, meaning they cause they have a lot, lot of symptoms reported and they can cause muscle irritation. And I'm going to say that this this criticism of statins is not is warranted because they're being used inappropriately by our healthcare system. Why? Now if they're being used why are they being inappropriately because, used? Well, the current prevention program approved by the American Heart Association is to use the atherosclerotic cardiovascular risk calculator to use a a calculation to determine whether or not you should be on a statin. 
And so, what does that calculation encompass? Like what, what are they determining or the factors for that? Your lipids, whether you're male or female, do you have diabetes? Do you have high blood pressure? But it's heavily weighted on your LDL levels, which is like the worst lipid panel that to, lipid number to measure risk. And the, you know, we always talk about disease identification, and this risk calculator is a surrogate risk marker for disease, not the disease itself, because you're getting some risk, and if the risk is high enough the decision is made to be put on a statin or not. So that's the wrong way to go. And despite that methodology that the American Heart Association has taken, we're seeing these increase annual national death rate. So we're not achieving our goal of preventing heart attack and death from heart attack with this process. Yet we just keep going blindly ahead, doing the same old thing. This should sound familiar to everybody that that's what our government does because a pharma product is here to save us. So a year ago, I'd see us do his physical and for the first time he's got elevated markers and we do a much deeper look into his genetics, into his, you know, we diagnose him with sleep apnea and he comes in for his physical and he's taken it upon himself to not treat his sleep apnea and not take his statin. Now, granted, his diet got better and he is exercising like he always does. But for the first time, you know, his lipid markers, his inflammation, I shouldn't say lipid, but his inflammation markers were terrible, like they were high risk. And, you know, this is our lesson, which is we tell everybody out there that doesn't have access to a CIMT to go get a calcium score. Well, 20% of people that die of a heart attack can have a normal calcium score, like a zero. And it's not enough. You still have to look for plaque in other vascular beds that are, you know, that were being missed by the CT calcium score. So Dr. So, Collender, I want to jump in before you continue. Everyone has the availability to get a CIMT. You're doing them. You know where they can get done. If people call 866-COLLENDER, I'm sure you can refer them to some other doctor in the area in which they are living to get the CIMT. The technology exists. Everyone should get the CIMT. Everyone I know has gotten the CIMT. It is a fantastic, easy uh, diagnostic tool that everyone should avail themselves of. So if you if your doctor doesn't know about it and if your cardiologist doesn't know about it, 866-COLLENDER, I'm going to put it on you, Dr. Collender, to be the referral source for everyone that's listening to this show to be able to get a referral from you to get a CIMT. No problem. We can do that. Um, we did have a caller come through. Do we have time to get Go her in? Before? Okay, Go so ahead. really quick, we have Lauren from East Point on the line. Lauren, we're coming up to the end of the show. So what's your question? Okay, um, first off, um, Dr. Collender, I have rheumatoid arthritis. I'm going to throw that out there first. Um, I had an echocardiogram done back in July, and my internist said everything was fine. But, you know, um, I, I don't know that that's true. I did notice, I'm looking at my report, and it did say that the um, left atrium was normal size and structure, but there's a definite intra-atrial septal aneurysm. And then um, for the right atrium, that was normal in structure, but the mitral val valve was mild regurgitation, and same with um, 
the tricuspid. I think, I, or yeah. So everything else seemed normal, but I was wondering if it was to be a concern when I hear aneurysm. That kind of threw me off. Right. Well, um, so we're going to go fast. So first of all, you should get an annual echo just to monitor that area. But there's that's a low-flow area. It's a low-pressure area, so it's not at risk for a problem. Um, and I also want to make sure that you recognize that an echocardiogram is not going to screen you for coronary artery disease. Uh, you know, that's looking at just what it found, which is the valves, and it looks at the, the walls inside and outside of your heart, but it is not in any way a screen for heart attack or stroke. We have 10 uh, seconds left, call. Lauren, and I'm just going to say call 866-COLANDER and get Colander to Dr. Colander to give you a referral, get the necessary testing. Absolutely. Unfortunately, we are out of time. So we would quickly like to thank Dr. Brian Colander, MD, specialist in prevention for being here tonight and for being willing to share his expertise and knowledge with regards to not only the prevention of disease, but also the importance of being proactive and engaging with a practice that provides access to the necessary testing. This show is brought to you by Colander Medical Show. But <laughs> this show is brought to you by Colander Medical. I'm Siobhan Cronin here with Anne-Marie Cronin, and we hope you enjoyed some useful information tonight on how to be your own advocate and how to take charge of your health, whatever your medical journey. Please continue to tune into our shows Sunday afternoon at 3, Thursday evening at 7 for the latest medical updates. Thanks for listening to 760 WJR. Good night and be well.